Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For all NBA, for all NBA warriors, you are now tuned into Golden Spaces. Yo, welcome to Golden Spaces, an Odyssey original podcast. It's Justin here. I know you guys are used to hearing Nat's voice introduce the show, um, but I will be taking over the introduction for today. I'm here joined by my man, Charlie Cummings, writer for Switch Theory, host of the Game 6 Play Pod. Um, How you feeling today, Charlie? Doing good, doing good. Just uh, got out of a few days up in the Sierras, enjoying some mountain time, catching some summer league. Uh, It's a fun time, man. You know, you gotta you gotta dose yourself with just the right amount of NBA right now, or else you go crazy because you scroll too much and you're like, "Wait, there's a conspiracy to make Wemby good? What's going on here?" (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. I'm I'm struggling with uh you know dosing myself right now. I think I gotta you Mm -hmm. know wean myself off of the Twitter scrolling for a little bit because it's a lot of the takes and on the timeline are just kind of driving me nuts right now. But um. Good to have you on, man. Let's let's talk about summer league. Let's start with summer league. At least we got a lot to cover today, but we'll we'll get into summer league right now because it's you know the hot thing that's going on right now. A lot of people are in Vegas. Um, we just saw yesterday a lot of press conferences were happening in that area with you know Jordan and Chris Paul, and we saw Steph courtside and stuff like that. Um, let's let's get into what we've seen from the Dubs so far, the the baby Dubs. Pajemski's played in what three summer league games so far. Mm-hmm. Um, like what I'm like what I'm seeing from him so far as I mean, as far as just being able to stuff the stat sheet, he's been doing that a lot, rebounding, passing. Um, the shot is coming along, um, but I do think he has an incredibly high feel. So that was you know as advertised, he's delivered on that so far, being able to make quick reads and process the game fast. But I do think some of the pre-draft or draft, um, you know, descriptions of his game are true in, in the aspect of athleticism as well and not necessarily being the best NBA athlete out there. But I think he makes up for some of it with his with his IQ. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the stats sheet stuffing. Um, one thing that's kind of stood out to me, he's had a couple rough shooting games in a row. I think it was 3 of 16 last night, um, you know, not ideal, but still almost pulled off a triple-double. Like, the guy was making a lot of really nice reads. He was keeping the ball moving really well. Um, one of the big things that jumped out for him on the scouting report was just his nose for rebounding the basketball. So I think that's a really positive thing for this Warriors team and, you know, not taking shots at any players in particular. But they had they had too many guys where it's like if they're not scoring the ball, then they're really not bringing that much to the table. On, an, on a given night. And I think it's kind of, it's kind it kind of is more of a comfort uh, knowing that if pods has a rotation spot, uh, if he's, you know, if he's not doing a whole lot in terms of scoring the ball, then he can still help fill in gaps elsewhere and, you know, at least be a solid contributor on a given night. 
For sure. For sure. I think that's been a staple for all of the Golden State teams that were championship level over the years. Um, just having a lot of guys. And then people like to make fun of it to say, like, there's a lot of hot potato guys, like, who just like to pass and move the ball. But that type of stuff is valuable, especially when you're on a team with guys like Steph and Clay who have no issue at all shooting the ball from all type of angles and, you know, keeping the play going after the first or second action has been covered. Um, a hot topic on Warriors Twitter right now, just in the Warriors space is Lester Quinones. Um, he's been, he's been having a really good summer league. You know, he's, he's been a good player like for them in their G league team. And, you know, people have kind of had their eye on him for a while. Um, but he's kind of stepping into his own, adding to his game. Um, what, what have you seen from him so far? Yeah, well, you know, shout out to the people who were first on it. Like, uh, our, our guys who run uh, the GSW Reddit page, like, they are super on top of all, all everything that's going on with the G League. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember last year when we were talking about it, I was like, hey, I'm checking in this game. Like, Travion Williams looks good. And he's just like, man, you don't even know. Like, if you think he is going to be, like, a player, then you haven't been paying attention to Lester. And I was like, all right, like, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Like, I want to hear it. And he's like, man, the guy just scores plain and simple. Like, he's he's got a really nice shot. He's confident with it. He can get to a pretty tidy little step back. Um, the thing that really stands out to me is he, he loves to drive. He's got a really good frame. And he doesn't get knocked off balance, which I mm-hmm. which is something I always look for. You know, like if you're finishing, but it's kind of wild all over the place. That doesn't feel that sustainable to me. But when you're going in, you're needing the help at the rim and you're barely getting knocked off your spot and you're still scoring the ball. Like, that's a guy to watch out for. And we know that this Warriors team, you know, they're going to take rim pressure any way they can get it. Even if that's just a guy who can attack closeouts and, you know, get a couple feet in the paint, draw some contact, then that would be really welcome. So, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, Wester, I – you know, before before like we went into summer league, I was in the camp of like, hey, you can't have so many unknown quantities on this roster uh, in terms of adding Lester uh, to one of those rotation spots. But he's making a case that he might be more of a known quantity than we gave him credit for. For sure, for sure. I mean, like you said, he's he's um he's pretty stout. Like he's very um, physical. You know, on on both ends. I think you know as a defender. He's coming along. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say he's a stopper, but he's taken the challenge of guarding other teams in the summer league, guarding other teams like best guys sometimes, and just really trying to make himself known on both ends. And he's really like making a good case that he could potentially fill a roster spot at some point late in the season, maybe. Um, I think everyone's hoping that they can just secure him on a two-way and no one tries to grab him before or extend an offer to him before then. Um, so he can kind of keep him around while also still having opportunities to fill in the roster spots with um, bigger players, maybe. But um, our guy Guy Santos is is he's doing all right as well. Like he's way bigger than he was, <laughs> noticeably bigger. Hair is longer than last year. He looks like a Pokemon evolution of himself from from the previous summer league. <laughs> <And> he's, <laughs> he's playing well too. Um, I like Guy Santos though. How do you how you feel about Guy? I think he's He's a, you know, a big body that they could potentially use later on as he develops. Yeah, so I think his game will be really interesting. Um, The slashing stands out first. Like, the guy just loves to drive the ball, uh, which I think really – it's really something that they need. But, you know, he's 
he's got a motor. Like the guy just does not stop. Whenever I've watched him in the G League, he's everywhere trying to get rebounds. He's constantly cutting, trying to relocate, just make himself available. So I think he's showed a lot of this, a lot of the traits that this coaching staff is really going to like. You know, like don't put your head down, don't get comfortable, uh, just constantly stay moving, make all of the little plays on the fringes and then develop your more important skills. And, you know, he's coming along with the shot. He's getting a little more coordinated with his drives. He's starting to be able to finish with his left. Um, and, you know, he does remind me a lot of ways, uh, like Kuminga. You know, like Kuminga, fresh, like his, his, uh, his first year in the league, he was driving all the time. And half the time he would just dribble it off his leg. You know, like he had just mm-hmm. kind of end up out of bounds. Like defender doesn't even need to get a poke on it. He's just kind of losing the handle. And then year two, suddenly he's driving, he's holding on to the ball all the way, and then now good things are happening, and defenders yep. are becoming terrified of that. Um, and I think Yee's showing a little bit of that too. You know, he's just – he's got such a powerful frame uh, that, you know, once he starts to really put that handle together, then he, he, looks, he looks like he could be a steal for them. You know, because if you, if you get a rotation player out of the second round, plain and simple, like that's a steal. You know, most for of those sure. guys – most of those guys don't end up getting real shots in the league. So if you if you get a guy who's young and can contribute, even if not this year, next year, then that's a real score for them. For sure. For sure. And I think even though Guy um, was an acquisition from when Bob was still GM, I think overall the team, the franchise, it seemed like it's shifting a little bit more into high feel, high IQ guys who know how to play within the Warriors system, consistently move, um, just make the right play instead of just going for the home run super athlete um, that's out there, uh, which is, I think is a good thing, you know, for one, just setting them up for after their title window is still open and still having guys that fit just that Warriors ethos and that Warriors identity um, going forward while also potentially being able to contribute now while they're still in their title window. Um, we haven't had a chance to see TJD yet um trace but he projects even as a guy who you know has a high q good defensive field knows how to go for weak side blocks and you know just a guy who can pass and and do a lot of good things for them out there do you see a path for him you know cracking the regular season rotation or just the rotation in general so i think the tough thing will be like he's a no question immediate offensive fit um would it be nice if he could Shoot a little bit, yes. Uh, that jumper in practice is, you know, it's looking a little slow, a little iffy. You know, maybe he's a guy who can, like, make him pay every once in a while if the defense is disrespecting him. But, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look like he's going to be shooting the ball anytime soon. And, uh, but, man, like you said, the passing skills are there. He's got a whole lot of athleticism. He's got a good frame at 6'9", like, that's, that's kind of the funny thing is even though he's technically an undersized center, he's oversized by warrior standards. So, <laughs> right. uh, like, yeah, no, I mean, he's, you know, Draymond's what, like six, seven on a good day. On a good day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on a real good day. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, like we know, we know Looney, he do, he's, he's got good height, but like he doesn't play that much bigger than his height. You know, like he's mostly – about like getting into the right positions, like staying centered. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. having a guy like Trace who, 
you know, even if he's not like an ace primary rim protector guy, like he's going to be aggressive. He's going to put himself in the right positions. And I think that, I think the defensive game is going to be interesting to me because he, he really did do well at that in college, but it's a much more conducive environment to what he can do. Um, I think what's going to be interesting is can he still balance his risk taking? Uh, the thing that jumped off to me the most watching the film on him was he's really good at contesting shots and getting blocks, and he does it without sacrificing rebounding position. Um, I think that was one of the things that really drove me crazy when you were watching uh, James Wiseman is, you know, he's always the biggest dude in the paint, and he would sell out for a block that he probably didn't even have a 50-50 chance of getting. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, hey, that's great. You contested the shot, but there's, you know, their big man is sitting in the paint now. Uh, being guarded, like trying to get boxed out by like Moses Moody, uh, and that's <laughs> right. not going to work. So, I think Trace he brings he brings a sense of responsibility on the defensive floor. He knows what he is and he knows what he isn't. So, that's that's kind of the question to me is you know does Kerr see enough of that like trust in him to stay within himself defensively? You know, like not make more mistakes than he needs to because. You know, he's going to be a drop guy. Like, he's not going to be the most impactful, versatile, big defender. But he can rebound really well. He can rotate. And if he if he's not making mistakes, then maybe he does get some burn. Nice, nice. Um, I mean, it doesn't hurt to have, one, Draymond Green, two, Kevon Looney there, you know, teaching the ropes. And then, obviously, on the offensive end, Steph and CP3 and guys who could potentially run – handoff situations with him or pick and roll. Um, even Corey Joseph, who's been in the league for for a super long time. So I think, you know, going back to what we're talking about, about having guys that just just shifting the, the, the team to more of a high IQ experience team can even help the young guys develop a little bit faster. And I think that's the hope um, from the front office this year, especially when it comes to Kaminga and Moody and guys that are, you know, in position now year three, to take those leaps and become legitimate rotational players. Um, but while we're still mm-hmm. on the topic of summer league, let's get into like the top picks, right? Like who stood out to you so far? I mean, Wimby had one subpar game where everybody just jumped off the boat and said he was a bust. And then he had a great game the next game. And everybody's like, Oh, actually he is <laughs> pretty damn good. Um, Brandon Miller has been kind of up and down to some people is not shooting the best. He's been in a lot of foul trouble and stuff like that. And Scoot got hurt his first game. So what are your takeaways from like the big, the big names, um, out there? And is there anybody that you're like, Hmm, I didn't think he was going to be that good. Like, a, I don't know, Keontae George, 30 something points the other day. What are you, what are you looking Ooh, at? Keontae, Keontae was a guy I was really interested in. I thought he would have made a great fit for the Warriors um, if they were looking to kind of replace some outside shooting, some combo guard skill. He's a real uh, – I don't want to say he's like an aggressive defender, but he's he's really – you know, he's really assertive. Like he doesn't give ground. Uh, he doesn't foul that much, which I really appreciate. And the passing reads really jumped out. Um, you know, the guy, the guy can make a whole variety of passes. Like he's making bounces all over the place. Um, one other thing I saw too that I really like, and you know, this is just kind of one of those like little personality things that I just love. Uh, someone, I think they took a picture of it. Like Keontae's screensaver on his phone was like a scouting report with all the weaknesses. 
And I was like, oh yeah, like that uh, that guy that, that guy's going places. Like if yeah, he's that yeah, dedicated, yeah. you know. He got it. He's bouncing. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's a crazy he's athlete too. I didn't know he was that athletic. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, getting up there for lobs and stuff. Like he oh, yeah. he's a real versatile guy. Um someone else too, I know the Warriors were going pretty hard after him. Uh Anthony Black is looking very ready. Like mm-hmm. he's just got He's got a real sound feel for the game. Um, every time I watch him, he's just like he, – he's putting guys on his hip in like three dribbles or less, <laughs> like almost every time he drove the ball. Uh, and that's just such a skill I appreciate, especially for a guy who's, you know, kind of a non-shooter right now. Uh, he's just like, hey, if you're going to even get close to me on the perimeter, I'm going to put you behind me immediately. I'm going to open up the floor for playmaking. And then he's got a real solid floater and finishing game to complement it. So he, he looks like he's going to be a good one. Um, that's, that's the thing that stinks right now, man, is we got like Wemby getting shut down after two games, uh, Scoot getting hurt, Amen getting hurt immediately. True. Uh, that, that, that was tough. Cause he looked incredible that first game then sprains his ankle the second half and, now we're not going to see him for another couple months. Um, but, yeah, man, it's, it's been crazy. Um, I think the Brandon Miller thing, you know, it kind of it's kind of getting beat to death. But, you know, the one thing <laughs> the one thing that kind of annoys me is, like, people want to use college to say, like, oh, look, he did this in the NCAA, so he's going to be great. And then they want to throw out summer league because of, like, you know, sample size, whatever, that kind of thing, like. <laughs> you can you you can get a good like eight nine games in summer league where we're watching you against NBA athletes for the first time, and that's when things start to really stand out. So like, yeah, I'm gonna look at seven eight nine games against NBA athletes compared to thirty games against mostly not NBA athletes. You yeah. know, and this was a guy who had athletic concerns. Like he doesn't get to the rim or finish at the rim in half court. Um, he's got some kind of side-to-side limitations. We saw, you know, like he had one real nice dunk, but he's not the most, like, vertically explosive guy, like go and go up and get it over your head kind of guy. Um, and he just looks he looks slower than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bit concerning, you know, because that's you, – you kind of hope, like, you know, if you're looking at a – at a guy like Amen, where you're like, all right, he's got some flaws, but like these aren't inherent flaws he has. Like he can do literally everything you need athletically. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the thing I look out for in summer league because it's like, uh oh, if this guy looks a step slower than everyone, or if he doesn't look as strong as everyone else, like that that's the thing that can set you back quicker than, you know, not having a three point shot, not having a good feel for the floor right now, because those are things that can be developed. For sure, for sure. I think the Thompson twins. I mean, those dudes are so freakish, ath- like athletically. It's it's ridiculous. Um, and you can just Crazy. see they're they're probably going to have an immediate impact in the league just off of that defensively, just being able to be all over the court. Um, so I'm really I'm really excited to see the Rockets, young young guys. And it's it's funny how like as Warriors fans over the years, we just kind of like we're such in a rivalry with Rockets fans and even Thunder fans. Um, but now it's like I'm kind of excited to see those teams develop and turn into something because um, the Thunder, man, like Chet is looking pretty good. 
And he's kind of like a sleeper. I wouldn't say he's a, he's a sleeper for a rookie of the year, but he's technically going to be a rookie. I don't know if he'll have the touches offensively to put up the numbers to be in the consideration for rookie of the year, but impact-wise, he he might step in and be like the most impactful towards winning out the gate. Um, he's He mm-hmm. seems like much more strong, and obviously his defensive instincts have always been there, but just like another year older and wiser, he just seems like he's ready to step in and, and play a big part defensively out the gate. Yeah, I'm with you there too. Um, I had the same thought. Like I had a friend text me asking about like Chet rookie of the year. He's like, is that a, that's something I should be throwing a little money on. And I was like, man, considering this class and, you know, like you said, the offensive load that he's probably not going to get, you know, I mean, he's not a put the ball on the deck, get you 20 a night kind of guy. Right. Um, I'm like, that, that guy's going to have to block like three shots a game out of the gate <laughs> just just to get in the conversation because I mean man like you know there's a, there's a little doubt about the Damian Lillard situation right now but you know if he gets his way uh Scoot's gonna get all the touches he can handle yep. um Brandon Brandon Miller's gonna be putting up numbers for better or worse and then of course there's that Wemby guy uh there's <laughs> basic basically nothing standing in his way of like you know, touching the ball every single possession. So, um, and then you consider that he's just seven foot five floating around in the paint. Uh, I saw, I saw multiple instances where, you know, he was kind of in like a, not really quite like a hedge, but, you know, kind of playing like intermediate drop on pick and roll and guys thought they could just pull up and he just went "Mm -mm." like, nope. Like, People are just not used to that. There's no way to get used to that, right? Like he's oh. he's legitimately contesting and blocking shots, standing at like the free throw line, blocking three-pointers. And it's like the the defensive potential, you can just see his ceiling is, is crazy. Um, the amount of ground he can just cover with his length, his height. I mean, I'm pretty sure he can dunk without jumping. Like maybe on his tippy toes he can dunk. So he's like right there at the rim at all yeah. times. Um, he's going to be scary, scary on that end. I think offensively, I think his game is predicated on how good of a shooter he can ultimately be, like how how much touch he has, because, um, you know, it's going to be tough for him to really consistently beat guys off the dribble just because of his height and guys can get under his handle. But if he can consistently just shoot over guys and he has the touch for it, whereas like even if you can test, it doesn't really matter, then he can be a really devastating um you know, offensive player, but I think out the gate, his defense is going to be game changing for sure. Yeah. That's the thing too, is, you know, people talk about like, especially with a guy like Kevin Durant, you know, like how, how has KD had like almost no drop off in his scoring, uh, despite the fact that he can't really like get to the rim like he used to. It's because, you know, when you, when you're seven foot and you have touch like that, then it's just, you know, if you get to your spots and you're comfortable, it's over. It's a code and drill. that's where, that's where when, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's just like coach, coach is standing there with the pad. <laughs> like exactly. it's, it's, it's nothing to him. Um, and he's got five extra inches on KD. Like you just kind of saw it. If you know, that's, that's the frustrating thing too. If you're a defender and you're like kind of staying in front of him, you're kind of walling off his drive. You know, he can just pick up his dribble, like, hit from all kinds of awkward angles. Like, he doesn't need his feet to be properly set. Um, it's just – it's wild stuff, man. For sure. <laughs> um, 
Hopefully, hopefully he can, uh, you know, stay healthy and all that stuff so we can really see his true potential be realized. Um, but let's move on from Summer League. Let's go into free agency, right? We see the title here is Dunleavy's first offseason. Um, obviously, the, the free agent acquisitions, uh, Corey Joseph and Dario Sarge are the two are the two guys that weren't on the team before. And then they obviously retained Draymond Green um, on his deal that I like the look of, to be honest, 22 in the first year, I want to say, then 24 and 25, and then there's a 27 player option. I think at the point of the player option, you know, you can realistically expect that that title window might be closed by that point. So it's it's kind of irrelevant to me. Um, But (laughs) um, I like the first part of those, of that deal. But, um, you know, how are we feeling about these acquisitions? Like, we, we needed to replace a third ball handler. You know, Ty Jerome was expected to be, you know, used in that spot or at least thought about. And he signed elsewhere, I think, in Cleveland for a multi-year deal. So they replaced him mm-hmm. with Corey Joseph, who I think is a similar caliber player, if not even a little bit better. Um, and then the big name that everyone wanted from the beginning of free agency – um, Dario Sarge, <laughs> just a bigger body, Super Dario, baby, Super Dario. Like, finally got him. We got it. We got teased early on in free agency. Like, yes, we got him out the gate, and then it was like, hold up, he might go somewhere else. Um, but they finally got him. You know, guy six ten who can shoot it, high feel for the game, can put it on the ground a little bit, can do a lot of things that can that particularly fit well with the Warriors. Um, how we feel, how we feeling about these moves? Yeah, I wanna. I wish I could remember who put it out there first, but I saw it just scrolling around. Uh, someone, someone called this before free agency, and I gotta dig it up so I can give them proper credit later. Uh, they pointed out like the last five years when the Warriors have made their free agent signings that basically all of them come like three to five days after the free agency period actually starts. Uh, so, so they were just like, don't freak out. And then what did we do? We all freaked out. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It just Everybody, everybody was just like, Oh my God, we're not getting Dario. Like it's over trade Steph fire, trade fired on Levy. <laughs> I mean, the Suns, the Suns signed like 10 guys the first day and everyone's like, Oh my God, they're so, they're getting everybody like, and I'm like half of these guys, the Warriors don't even want half of these guys. First of all, like they shouldn't mm-hmm. want half of these guys. Um, the U, everyone wanted Yuta Watanabe. I think he would have fit very well just because he has, you know, his shooting ability, his defensive potential. He's tall, um, plays very hard, egoless type of guy. But other than that, I think everybody else that went to those teams was kind of like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, but you know, Warriors Twitter is definitely hitting that panic button a lot, um, and that's that's just. You know, it is what it is. I think most most fan bases are the same way. They just want their team to to do well and and, and stuff like that. But um, in what ways do you see Dario specifically, you know, helping this team in comparison to like what we were missing last year? Sorry about that. Yeah. So I mean, first and foremost is the spacing. He's not hesitant to shoot it. He's really good at shifting himself between the wings and the corners, like looking for those opportunities. You know, he's not just going to be like stationary in one spot, just waiting for the ball to swing. He's going to be active. He's going to look to make cuts. Uh, He's going to look to, you know, do little V cuts in and out, try to get himself back open, uh, which I really like. Um, 
But the other things that really stand out too, um, and our guy Joe Varai did a really good, really good segment on this. Like he really did well with Chris Paul, uh, pick and roll, pick and pop, especially on the short roll. Uh, they had a really good synergy together. Um, based on some recent quotes, I'm not as sure as I was that Chris Paul is going to be a bench guy, but I, I kind of yeah. have a hard time. Be- like even even if they start him, you know, I still feel like he gets a lot of minutes where he's just kind of directing the second unit guys. Um, you know, like maybe it gives them a chance to like sub off early, and then he gets to come in and kind of run, you know, second quarter, uh, and then those fourth quarter stretches when Steph's off the floor. Uh, but that you know, giving him someone who can shoot the ball, who he has previous experience with, and who he's a veteran is going to be really important. Because now when you're looking at this unit kind of coming together, you've got CP3, you've got Gary Payton, you've got Dario as kind of your, like, cohesive vets. You know what you're going to get out of them on a nightly basis. Um, And I think they're guys that really work in well around Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. Like, those are two, I think, two of the most prolific cutters on the team. Uh, not named Andrew Wiggins, um, and mm-hmm. I guess Steph Curry too, because he's just the best at everything. But, uh, <laughs> um, no, so like, if you have, yeah, I think that was the my initial read too on Trace Jackson Davis is he is going to be amazing in the short role. I'm not sure how much they trust him initially. Well, now they have a guy that Kerr is going to trust that can really make plays in the short role, like he has a really good ability of just processing the floor almost instantaneously. Uh, you know, if he's in the high post or coming off the short roll, he's going to find cutters. He's going to find other guys open on the perimeter. And, mm-hmm. you know, if needed, he can put the ball on the deck a little bit. Like he can, he can get himself into the mid range when he's really feeling his game. So I'm, I'm all in on the signing. You know, we know that this is a team that loves to just make incredible rim protection defense out of nothing. Um, and right. they've definitely they've definitely like turned much worse defensive bigs into productive defensive players. So that I think this is just a home run for a minimum. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think you know over the last few years, with the absence of having like traditional rim protectors, obviously Draymond Green's amazing at pretty much everything defensively. But I think they've shifted their focus to being more of a rim deterrent team, right? Just to prevent rim attempts altogether with rotations and elite point of attack and wing defense and stuff like that. So I do think if they maintain that identity that they can for sure, like for lack of a better term, hide Dario's um, rim protection in those units where he might be playing the five. Um, And especially if he's playing in the second unit with Gary and Kaminga and, you know, hopefully Moody takes even another step defensively. I think we saw a lot of good things from him in the playoffs last year when he was switched on to perimeter players, but if he can get even better there, now you have three guys that you can rely upon to stay in front of their man, rotate well, athletic, long guys that can just, you know, make sure guys don't even get all the way to the rim in the first place. Um, but offensively, um, in addition to what you're saying, like him as a pick and roll partner with Chris Paul is particularly intriguing to me, but also as a spacer, if Chris Paul wants to go pick and roll with like Gary or, or Jonathan. And I think, that's that's going to be huge for Jonathan's um, development as well, just because if he's in the short role and he has shooters and cutters around him available to him, him being able to make those reads, you know, helps him long term 
just in general as an individual player tremendously because um, eventually he's going to be, you know, maybe a pick and roll ball handler himself, but having the ability to be the screener and roller and finding guys and, you know, playing in space because he's devastating in space as an athlete. So if he has guys pulling people away from the rim and he's rolling towards the rim and Chris Paul is dropping it down to him or throwing a lob, that's just going to be incredibly hard for second units, especially to stop um, and lead. So that's what's, that's what's really got me excited about Dario. And um, I mean, it's cool you mentioned him and Gary and CP3 specifically, because if you go back to the 2022 season, outside of that traditional starting five, the three main guys were Jordan, Gary, and Otto, you know, and they all specifically added a, a different dynamic to that starting five, depending on the matchup where you can just add additional perimeter scoring and ball handling with Jordan. You can add per- additional athleticism on the perimeter and defense with Gary. And then you can just add additional scoring gravity, play finishing, rebounding with Otto if need be. You could just swap out mm-hmm. any of the starting five there. So I think that dynamic is returned to the team. Um, you know, if Dario can be as good as a rebounder um, and, you know, helps our rotational defender as Otto was, that would be amazing because I do think at this point he he can add a little bit more than Otto can as a passer. Um, so I think offensively it could be a, a little bit of a better fit or equal fit. And then defensively, if they're, if they're just as good as each other, that would be amazing. Um, let's get into Corey Joseph. All right. Veteran. <laughs> Pop guy. I mean, he played for the Spurs, championship Spurs. Uh, it was a beautiful game, Spurs. So he he comes from that background of playing on selfless teams, being able to move the ball, defend, rotate, stuff like that. I think it's a another great signing for a veteran to, to for a veteran minimum, to be honest. Yeah, so I think what uh what excited me the most about that, and you know, as much as you can get excited about kind of minimum signing like that, you're getting availability. Like you know that. This is a guy who's he used to be kind of more in that he was always like an 82 game guy in the middle of his career, uh, dialed down a little bit more. But, you know, he's on those Detroit teams that have been like surprisingly guard heavy and uh, not incentivized to win. So <laughs> it's not like he's really on their highest priority list. <laughs> ton, ton of guards and ton of centers for some reason. Like no wings. Just yeah, guards. whole whole lot of centers um but uh so you know i think Corey brings i i get why people were upset about ty jerome but he had pretty stark limitations you know like he wasn't really a point of attack stopper um not that Corey is but you know you're kind of not really making any upgrade or downgrade there um he's definitely a better ball handler like ty had a good assist to turnover because he really took care of the ball, but he wasn't going to like operate off of second side stuff. You know, he was mostly kind of looking to get into his floater or just get to the line. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you could definitely argue he's a more well-rounded scorer than Corey, but they need someone not only who's just taking care of the ball, but looking to make proactive reads like a guy who can actually, you know, run a pick and roll now and then hit rollers, um, make skip passes if he needs to. And that wasn't really Ty's game. Um, And the reason I think this is so important is because now you have 35-year-old Steph Curry and, what, 38-year-old Chris Paul? Uh, Like, you're heavily reliant on both of those guys being in the lineup. And, you know, that's less important when you're kind of managing things through the regular season. 
but you need something to fall back on when those guys inevitably get hurt or when they just, you know, need rest games, when you've got the back-to-backs are stacking up, whatever it is. Like, you need a guy who can just kind of elevate their playmaking floor uh, when those guys miss time. So that's Mm -hmm. why I think having that third point guard is really important. For sure. For sure. We know, I mean, Steph usually has missed time over the last few seasons from freak accidents and that are mostly contact injuries, like falling on his ass or like getting a stinger Mm -hmm. in his shoulder randomly. But I mean, you kind of have to pencil something in at this point, right? The last three seasons in a row, he's missed um, some time. Chris Paul has been a little bit more durable in the regular season, um, but he's 38, right? So, you know, inevitably Steve Celebrini, those guys are going to shut them down um, for back-to-backs early in the season. Um, and, you know, you got to just kind of brace yourself for any type of injury that they may have. And I think Corey definitely is a guy that can just step in and just make sure he's not turning the ball over and messing up and stuff like that. So I think that's that was a really good signing for sure. Um, but they still got five spots left, including the three two-way spots. Um, we're assuming Lester's going to get one of those spots. Um, I think we're hoping he can get one of those spots maybe, but um, what do you think they should prioritize? Like whether it be two way or roster spot, like left on the roster. Cause I know a lot of people want another power wing that can shoot. Um, TJ Warren's name has been floating around. Um, Trenton Watford's name has been floating around, even though he's not really like a stretch uh, shooter, but mm-hmm. um, some people want another big, you know, what, what do you think they need specifically? Yeah, so I think there are definitely some options out there, you know, um, especially on the wings. Like I, I do. I I mean, I I get what people are going for with the Watford thing. Um, I think he's a little bit, you know, less refined than what they'd be looking for. Like the guy's got a lot of talent, um, and he, you know, summer league MVP last year. Like the guy has shown that he can, like, go out and get get scoring for himself. He's got an NBA ready body. But uh, there's just there's a lot to work through there. Um, if they're if they're interested in doing this, uh, hey, former enemies make nice thing. Um, can Clay and Rodney Magruder make nice if they just need an extra <laughs> body on the wings? <laughs> I don't know. That, yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, he, that was that was a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like bit, you're a little bit meaner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that was a rough one. Um, I think, you know, there's still guys out there. Like, if they, you, you know, at this Juan? point in free aid, I mean, dude, Juan, like, he's he's tough. But, like, if they're looking to, you know, have a guy who can kind of, like, replicate Kaminga's production, especially when they're going through stretches where he can't be, like, trusted as much in the rotation – um, I think that he would be a great option because you know he's going to bring the defense. Like, you know mm-hmm. uh, what kind of hustle he brings, like the kind of playmaking he can do. Um, you know, the shot's not going to be there more nights than it is, but you live with it because of what he brings to you from, like, defense, hustle, leadership perspective. Um, but there's still some guys out there. Uh, one, one that I've thrown out that I really want to see and – I'm interested if he's kind of angling for standard or if he's a two-way is Romeo Langford. Uh, he was 
one of the toss-ins of the Derek White trade, uh, played the last season and a half, I want to say, in San Antonio. Um, his defense is real. Like that, you know, people last year, we were talking about Stanley Johnson as a buyout guy. Like all the same reasons are there because if you have a hustle guy who you know is going to bring positive defense on the wing, brings a good frame, and can shoot the ball a little bit, uh, then that's the kind of guy I'm interested in taking a risk on, um, especially if they're looking for another wing. Um, but, yeah, like they, they got options. Um, maybe get a little revenge on the Suns, like bring in Bismack Biombo because, you know, the guy can run a pick and roll and rebound the ball. It's just good to have bodies at center. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, it, it feels like it feels like they got some good options right there and they're in a good they're in a good position depth wise right now. So I think they can afford to be a little picky. For sure. For sure. I mean, obviously they're not going to fill that 15 spot until later on in the season to just, I think, save some tax money. But um, like you said, they, I think they can, you know, kind of narrow it down to what they feel like they specifically need. Um, And I think either another wing or another big would be a, a good option. And you always have the option to fill that last spot later on in the season. Um, let's move on to what we were talking about earlier, where Mr. Mr. Christopher kind of kind of gave us an interesting little nugget earlier um, when he was asked how he feels about leading the second unit and all that type of stuff. He rebuttaled with, "Are you coaching?" <laughs> <laughs> to our beloved uh, Kendra Andrews, I believe it was who asked the question. But it kind of it kind of left everyone thinking like, is he expecting to start? Uh, so so what do you what do you think of that? Because I think, I mean, I think everyone is other of the understanding that his best role would probably be to come off the bench and they can just maintain the size and the integrity of their starting lineup, who was very good last year. Um, and then he just kind of bolsters their second unit while also being able to stay healthy for the majority of the season, hopefully the entire season playing lower minutes in a more specific role. Um, But do you think if he does start that it can work, you know, long-term? I don't know. You know, I mean, I think like regular season wise, you can probably kind of get away with it. You know, you can just run the small unit for like five, six minutes. uh, Take, take CP out, you know, put Looney back in, go a little bigger, do what you got to do. Um, I think the, I think the thing that's tough is, you know, I don't think, I don't think Chris is a guy that has much of an ego uh, at this point, as much as you can for being the level of star he's been for the last 20 years. Um, he's willing to accept new challenges. Like we saw what he did with the Thunder, which was amazing. We saw kind of what he brought to the locker room with Phoenix um yes that eventually kind of deteriorated but you know he was he was like the integral veteran that led them to getting to that finals against the Bucks and I think he'll be willing to you know put the team first like that's not really a concern of mine and I think the Warriors are kind of kind of go to him and say hey like you've been doing things mostly your way for the last 20 years and it hasn't got you where you needed to get not only do you know that we can get you where you want to get, 
but we also had the best starting five <laughs> by net rating last year in the league. Like, we're not about to blow that up over ego. Um, and I think that's what this team does. You know, like, we've – so much of the stuff you see on the court, it's fair to criticize Steve Kerr for. But what we don't see is what he does off the court, and that's in managing personalities. You know, like, yes, it gets a little rocky when his players start punching each other, but, like, <laughs> he's kept Dray- he's kept Draymond in the fold now twice through, like, rumors of him leaving. He's navigated mm-hmm. so many huge personalities in this locker room. I don't doubt that he could convince Chris Paul to put the team first, come off the bench if necessary, um, you know, maybe they experiment going small with a little like Steph, CP3, Dre, Wiggins, uh, Clay. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But ultimately, I expect him to be coming off the bench. You know, at least in the regular season, and then maybe if there's a matchup where they're kind of thinking like small out of the gate when it comes to playoff time, uh, then maybe they start to toy with it. Um, yeah, I hope that gives you. It gives you a little clue what I'm thinking of this team. Like this, this is a 50 win team we got right here with Chris in the fold. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's I've been kind of like enjoying the takes about how the Warriors are cooked and they're not going to be good anymore, and Chris Paul's old and washed and everything. And I'm like, like you just said, they had the best starting lineup in the league last year based on that rating. It wasn't as big of a sample size as some other starting fives, but it was a pretty substantial sample size. And it was pretty. They were pretty good the year before that as well when they won a championship. So you start with that, and then you have, you know, a Hall of Famer and Chris Paul, who's still very good. I know people like to say he's washed and stuff like that. Maybe he is in the context in the context of leading a team as the one or two um, to a championship or two deep in the playoffs. But as your point guard coming off the bench, he's probably the best backup point guard in the league at this point, um, pretty easily. So um, that in itself, paired with all the other guys they have, I, I'm I'm fairly confident they'll cruise to 50 wins is more so a question of how how many above 50 do they get for me um and yeah i agree totally like and i think overall if chris paul is just like like has his points in the game where he's like running the show i think ultimately he'll be satisfied like that'll satisfy the the ego the little ego that he may have right just being like hey this is my unit that i'm running like look at the Look at how we're winning the minutes when I, I'm running the show and and stuff like that. Like I'm clearly an integral part to this team who's been very, very good. I think that is the best, most ideal path to them just managing that whole thing and not having it, you know, go awry there. So I'm 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 pretty excited. Like, I mean, I've been a lifelong pretty much Chris Paul hater. So this is like very, very oh, yeah. Very, very. I got a lot of, I got a lot of reckoning to do this season, man. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> like, and then I, I put a tweet about out like maybe like a week or so ago where it's there's there's a greater than zero chance that a lot of Warriors fans will start to like Chris Paul by the end of the season, and I don't know if I'm like ready for that at all. Um, so we'll we'll see, but I'm yeah, I'm pretty excited about how they're going to work. Um, see, here's the. Here's how I here's how I got around it mentally, is I'm like I've been hating this dude for so long. I've been calling him basketball cop, uh, <laughs> like the, the basket basketball capitalist because of the CBA, like all these different things. Man, like can't win a ring, whatever. Like, um, so here's 
here's here's my balance. If the Warriors go out and they win a championship with Chris Paul, no one's gonna complain. <laughs> no one, no one's gonna be. Sure. No one's gonna complain. And then here's what here's where the hater in me thrives. Then we get to say forever that he had to come win a ring with us. Exactly. Uh, and if we if we. And if we don't win, if we don't win, if it doesn't work out, then he stays ringless. So he you know, stays ringless, and it's his fault. I don't care if he actually. <laughs> it's all his fault. It's all his fault. It's all his fault. I don't care if he shoots it. <laughs> yeah, he could be doing twenty ten every playoff game, and I'm like, nah, it was him. It was nope. bad vibes. Nope. Get him exactly. out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Bad vibes. Um. Draymond was on Paul George's pod recently, um, and he had an interesting take about his own offensive game and how, you know, over the years, especially with the years that he played with Kevin Durant, he was kind of taken out of his offensive game, and he's been struggling and still in process to get it back. Um, I feel like while we were in it, a lot of us kind of saw that happening right like when you're playing on a team with Steph and Clay and KD they should and they will all get 20 shots a piece like <laughs> and it would be idiotic for them not to so there's really not a lot of shots to go around outside of them um, and it's hard to justify shooting the ball when either of them are even semi open um, so it makes sense and then over the years I feel like Draymond has just kind of sustained some random injuries that have you know affected his shoulders and stuff like that, which could also have an effect on his shooting touch. Um, do you feel like he needs to get that back though at this point with this team? And, you know, considering that they've lost a little bit of offensive fire, firepower with Jordan and I don't know. What, what do you think about that? I don't know if he needs to get back to like, you know, 2016 hitting step backs, like 30, 35 points in game seven. I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. Uh, that's just, like still crazy to me in hindsight. Right. Um, so I think that's the thing that we saw last year. Like last year, I think he got way too comfortable at some points, just only facilitating. And, you know, it felt like most of his offense was coming either in transition uh, when he's just getting completely left open, like, you know, maybe hits the occasional three or just gets lost in the paint. Uh, or the, you know, fake dribble handoffs. And he can still execute those to a T, but, you know, that's maybe going to get you two points a night <laughs> if you play your mm-hmm. cards right. Um, you know, he just needs – like, he's still so much stronger than a lot of other guys. He really does know how to draw contact. Um, I mean, you know, asking him to not yell at the refs when he doesn't get his calls is just not going to happen because, like, <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't reward guys who just shout – regardless of what happens. Uh, but, you know, like he, he knows how to get himself to the line. He knows how to find ways to get funky finishes or, you know, at least like put some pressure on the defense by rolling. Um, I mean, really what it is to me is just like keeping them honest, you know, because if mm-hmm. they're just going to completely ignore you and, you know, they're like, oh, we're running this handoff. Like, we're not even going to bother like, you know, guarding against the drive or the post-up or, like, whatever it is he's going to do. Like, he just needs to show that he has spots he wants to pick. Um, just make the defense think twice because you can't just be handing it off to Clay and Steph just going right into a double team every time. Like, that right. 
is just so taxing on them, especially, you know, at this age, like at this point in their careers. For sure. For sure. And I think overall the the three point shot is less important than, you know, him being able to just take a dribble or two in and hit that floater, you know, like dayhan has been there. So he's been kind of working with them on their finishing and stuff like that. But I do think if he can just kind of hit that little mini push shot, because a lot of times teams will kind of sag off from him and give him the three, but they'll also kind of give him like a few dribbles of space as well. Um, so if he can hit that, that would be huge. And it'll kind of almost open up a, a path for him and Chris Paul to run a lot more pick and roll um, and him being like more of a, not necessarily a finisher every time, but just having that option to, to hit that floater or, and also pass as well, which would just make their offense uh, even more difficult to stop. Um so we're we're getting we're getting close to the end here, but I kind of wanted to pivot to something that I was interested in earlier today when I was talking about um, just who are your way too early contenders in the NBA, right? Like just based on what we've seen so far in free agency, what we already know about these teams. A lot of the, I mean, the core of these teams are already intact, so you can kind of deduce who's going to be in the mix already. Obviously, Phoenix has kind of put themselves kind of in the mix with the acquisition of Bradley Bill, but um i'm not i'm just not too high on their championship ceiling this year just because i feel like it's just a lot of brand new pieces there and it's just hard to to get to a championship level that fast um but who would you say are like your you know these teams are probably going to be in the mix when it's all said and done um you know in july right now yeah so i think to me you know the west the West has been a little more, a little more top heavy than we're used to. Um, I think still pretty, pretty starkly, you know, like I don't think a whole lot is going to have changed from last year in the West. I think, you know, we know what the Nuggets are like, yes, they lost Bruce Brown, but they're in a really good position to replace him or at least replace the production uh, in the aggregate. So they're going to be the top tier contender. We know they can do it. Um, I also think that the Lakers are going to be up there, unfortunately. Uh, like, you still have LeBron and AD. You know, AD is probably – when he's out there, like, he's playing better than we've ever seen him play. And that's really saying something, considering what kind of a monster he was in New Orleans um, mm-hmm. and how good he was in that 2020 season. So, you know, like, when you still have that, when you still have LeBron, you're going to be in the mix. I think they – upgraded their supporting cast you know like they did a good job keeping Reeves they managed to get Gabe Vincent in the fold which I think was a really good deal for them um you know they were able to keep some other guys in the perimeter like I'm not so sure how the Rui fit is gonna go but like that's a guy you kind of have to keep if you're gonna trade for him so like they they made all the right moves um they kind of strike me as you know maybe the top contenders in the west and I think Golden State and Phoenix kind of fall in right behind there where it's we know that they have the stars that can take you to a championship. It's just a lot behind them that kind of has to fall into place or maybe kind of break their way. Um, Because I see teams like Denver and L.A., like they have the supporting cast you need. It's just a question of can you keep the stars healthy, get the right matchups, you know, put yourself in that position. Um, And then I don't know, man, like Memphis – I just don't I just don't know what to make of them anymore. Like getting Marcus Smart is huge. Like don't get me wrong, but now you got Ja missing a third of the season. 
you know, who knows what that's going to be looking like trying to get him back. And I don't know, man. Like, it, it, they just kind of feel like a team that's headed for a culture shift and whether that's trading jaw away, you know, just kind of like wiping themselves clean of this situation or, you know, maybe like bringing in some new some new voices to the locker room like a Marcus Smart. Uh, like, they're... They they just feel like I don't know like kind of like a powder keg, you know, like they could win fifty seven games and be two seed again, or they could win like forty eight and then get like bounced in the first round, and then everyone's up for trade discussion. Um, yeah. But uh, it's it's going to be interesting out there. And then I mean, beast of the east, man. Like the Celtics are going to be crazy as usual. Uh, the Bucks managed to keep everybody, which is crazy. Uh, I didn't think they'd be able to get Middleton and Lopez back. So, like, they've got their championship core still together. Um, if Miami pulls off this Damian Lillard trade, like, they're going to be right back in it, man. Like, it's hard yeah. to have a better trio than Dame, Jimmy, <laughs> and Bam. Bam. Like that. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. For um, sure. Whew. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you know, the Sixers may or may not fall apart. Like, <laughs> I think, uh, I think that's kind of the exciting thing right now, man. It's like last playoffs, there were so many points where it just felt like anything could happen, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like we're really headed for that this year. You know, like the Nuggets, the Nuggets have earned the right to say, like, "Hey, you got to show us that you're going to beat us." Like, no team has clearly, I think, put themselves ahead of them. Um, at least in terms of like maybe kind of the mental edge, like on paper edge, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's it's going to be another bloodbath. And um, I'm so excited for it. For sure. For sure. I definitely, I mean, I have the same teams. Um, I would probably ele- elevate Golden State there. I would, I would say it's Denver, LA. I mean, until they're knocked off, I would say Denver is just up there. And then I would put mm-hmm. under them. Yeah the Lakers and the Warriors, I think they're pretty, pretty close. Um, and then after that, I just don't see it with any other team in the West, to be honest. I think obviously the Phoenix Suns have a ton of talent, but it's just a lot of redundant talent. Um, and right. then it's just like literally all minimum guys um, from there. Like, so, and then it's like, I just said this, these kind of composite one summer, everybody joins in one summer type of teams usually have a difficult time navigating the extremely difficult points of the season and and playoff series and stuff like that, because they don't have that experience with each other to fall back on and get through those moments. So I just not really high on their ceiling as of yet, maybe in like a year or two, I will be Uh, Memphis. Like you said, they're kind of boom or busts. They, they could be really good or they can be just kind of mid Um, I'm kind of leaning towards mid but we'll see <laughs> um <laughs> and then in the east like you said the bucks whenever you have a top three player in your team you're always going to be in the mix as long as they have some type of competent level um support around them celtics are going to be amazing again for sure dame going to miami would would be super interesting because miami for some reason like whether i mean they're going to be obviously much better in the regular season if they get him but despite not being like juggernauts in the regular season, they always seem to have Boston and Milwaukee's number in some capacity, right? Like I want to say over the last few years, they're like four and two in the playoffs against both of those teams. 
Um, so mm-hmm. even with Dame in the mix, that's just more scoring. And oftentimes it just feels like it felt like Miami didn't have enough scoring over the years, even though they had a really good run this past year. But he kind of fortifies their offense. Like he's legitimately a top 10, maybe higher offensive player in the league at this point. So pairing him with two dirty work guys, do it all dirty work guys like Jimmy and Bam would be scary, I think, for the Eastern Conference. So I would definitely have this, those same teams right there. Um, it's been it's been fun. It's been a fun one. We talked, we covered a lot. You know, sorry for all the Golden Spaces listeners. We know it, it's been a while. <laughs> uh, promise to you know put out a little bit more content more consistently going forward from here. But honored to have Charlie back on. You know, he's always welcomed as a guest. Um, incredible basketball mind. Follow him on Twitter if you aren't. Um, listen to his pod as well. Read his stuff. All that. Um, you want to plug anything else, Charlie, that you're working on? Nah, you got it all. Uh, writing at the Swish Theory, podding at Game 6 Clay. Uh, should have something out this week on our guy, Jonathan Kaminga, uh, getting all my off-season stories that I want to write lined up. So, yeah, fun things cooking, man. Getting ready for a new season. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're expecting that leap from JK on this side. Mm. You know what I mean? So, we're excited. We are excited. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Like I said, we'll be more consistent with our content. Um, we got some stuff cooking up for you guys. So um, looking forward to it. See you guys later. Peace.